Welcome to One Symphony, a podcast that explores classical music's relevance in our modern lives. I'm conductor Devin Patrick Hughes, and I'm here to share with you stories and conversations with musicians, composers, and artistic entrepreneurs that aim to unite us into one symphonic world. Holidays are a great time to catch up on all our favorite movies, and many of these films wouldn't enjoy the popularity they do without their amazing soundtracks. Today on One Symphony, I wanted to share with you some of my holiday film score favorites. First, I'd like to thank our new sponsors, including Kevin, Kim, Dana, Dennis, and Sound Espressivo Online Global Music Competition for their support to make One Symphony possible. First up is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, written by Hugh Martin for the 1944 musical Meet Me in St. Louis. The song is sung by Esther, played by Judy Garland, as a salve for her younger sister Tootie, played by Margaret O'Brien, as they're mourning the family move away from St. Louis to New York. This is a great example of the composer's original idea not being quite up to snuff. According to composer Hugh Martin, the original version of the song was so lugubrious that Garland refused to sing it. She apparently said that it would make little Margaret cry and she'd be seen as a monster. How did that lugubrious original version go, you might ask? Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It may be your last. Next year we may all be living in the past. Hugh Martin dug in, insisting that's the way the song goes and that he didn't want to write a new lyric. Eventually, Tom Drake, who played the boy next door, pulled him aside, offering some convincing words of encouragement, and Martin changed the lyrics to what would be the third most performed Christmas song around the world. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year, will be out of sight. A film that you may not consider a holiday film is the comedy horror film Gremlins. Written by Chris Columbus and directed by Joe Dante, the score is composed by the one and only Jerry Goldsmith. Steven Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy were highly involved and invested in the making of the effects. Spielberg at one point rebuking a suggestion that the film had too many of the green slimy creatures by retorting, the movie isn't called Humans, it's called Gremlins. On a musical side note, Hoyt Axton, the actor and folk singer who plays the father and moonlighting inventor of the bathroom buddy and other inoperable trinkets throughout the film, also wrote Three Dog Nights, Never Been to Spain, and co-wrote Their Joy to the World. (laughs) 
sorry, this joy to the world. Another side note, around 43 and a half minutes, Axton's character happens to be at an inventor's convention on Christmas Eve of all days. The highly observant will notice a makeshift time machine there one minute and gone the next in the background, followed by Jerry Goldsmith and Steven Spielberg cameos. Goldsmith also makes one in Gremlins 2. Let me know if you can find him. Goldsmith's score brings out the uncertainty and dread in waiting for the pods to hatch as the Mogwai undergo their metamorphosis. Because remember, the three rules you must follow to a T to stop a Gremlins 3 from being made. Number one, don't expose the Mogwai to light. Number two, don't get them wet. And number three, never ever feed them after midnight. I always wonder how that last rule applied in different time zones. As far as I know, this is the only Goldsmith score where the characters in the film sing and play themes that he used in the score, which we call diegetic music. That means that unlike the normal schedule where the film goes to the composer after it's wrapped, Jerry Goldsmith must have composed the Mogwai theme prior to filming. Goldsmith nails the quirky, misanthropic, and plotting music for Mrs. Deagle, the town's very own Ebenezer Scrooge. My favorite is Goldsmith's portrayal of the Gremlins. It's a jazzy swingin' tune that captures the Gremlins' desire to run roughshod all over the town like a group of adolescent mischief makers.
naturally, it also captures their true nature if you get in their way. Anyone watching this film might be surprised at its PG rating, but in 1984, PG or R were the only options. It was Gremlins and Indiana Jones' Temple of Doom which prompted the new and improved PG-13 rating so there could be some prior warning for unsuspecting parents. Regardless of rating or content, Jerry Goldsmith's score elevates the film into a memorable, timeless classic that you should definitely add to your watch list, if for anything, the spectacle. Probably the most famous, more current holiday flick, and one that I watch every year, is Home Alone. There's an amazing story on Netflix of how this film almost didn't get made, and John Williams almost wasn't the film's composer. After Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, the We Slept In opening is one of the most recognizable holiday jingles out there. This first occurs when the McAllisters wake up late due to a power outage and have to hastily and carelessly rush to O'Hare to barely make their flight to Paris, which sets in motion the rest of the plot, Kevin home alone and the burglars attempting to capitalize on the situation. This sounds like an ingenious amalgamation of two playful and a bit frantic classical pieces. Tchaikovsky's Trepek from The Nutcracker, which features Russian Cossack toy soldiers celebrating victory. Copeland's hoedown from Rodeo, which is the cowgirl and the head roper dancing, kissing, and parading off into the sunset.
This is the hallmark of a great composer and speaks to John Williams' genius, the ability to utilize a style and mood from what has come before and create something that stirs the souls of millions. Another great hallmark of many film scores is the same trait which creates an everlasting full-scale symphonic work, taking a small musical theme or motive and applying that across the boards throughout the film. Similar to Gremlins, there's an aspect of this movie which takes us into the make-believe world of a child. WWKD, what would kids do? Gremlins answered this question by showing the green misfits dressing up as gangsters, swinging from the ceilings, and pretty much destroying the place. In Home Alone, Kevin experiences an eight-year-old's dream, the house to himself, jumping on the bed, eating crap, watching R-rated movies, or in the case of Gremlins, PG. The fantastical or magical aspect of Home Alone takes us into the imagination of an eight-year-old. John Williams captures this right off the bat at the opening credits. It starts with a B-flat major theme. But immediately takes a D minor turn into the imagination of a child. We know this because when Kevin is expelled to the attic for being a jerk, as Uncle Frank would say, he makes a wish. I hope I never see any of you jerks again. I wish they would all just disappear. Then night falls and the wind knocks out the power, which results in Kevin's wish being granted. Next time you watch the film, listen to how these themes and keys interact. A more spiritual aspect of the film is the Star of Bethlehem theme, which revolves around old man Marley who has been falsely demonized by Buzz, likely to strike fear into the heart of his younger brother, Kevin. Later on, Marley ends up proving Buzz to be nothing but a two-bit liar, befriending and saving Kevin's life from the burglars. However, when we are conditioned to fear Marley, John Williams pulls from his hat a millennium-old musical theme, the Dies Ira, or the Day of Judgment. This musical theme goes back possibly 1,400 years and was used for the Roman and then English Requiem Mass, or Mass to Honor the Dead. It was pulled from a poem which describes the Last Judgment. Western composers have used this to evoke the fear of death into their listeners throughout the past few centuries. Hector Berlioz uses it in his Symphonie Fantastique during the Witch's Sabbath where the main character, after a sprightly opium trip, imagines he's been dragged off to hell after killing his beloved. Sergei Rachmaninoff evokes the end of days throughout his oeuvre, but particularly in two of his final works, The Symphonic Dances, where he writes at the end of the manuscript, I thank thee, Lord, and his variations on a theme of Paganini. At the 
the end of Home Alone, the Dies Irae has been completely overrun by the original B-flat major theme and reunites the McAllisters and Marley with his family, which highlights perhaps the greatest gift of the holidays, the presence of our loved ones. There are so many great holiday films and scores that it makes it very difficult for me to narrow them down. However, one of my favorite scores, and it's actually just as much Halloween as it is Christmas, is Danny Elfman's score for The Nightmare Before Christmas. Side note on this score, the Dies Irae is also used profusely. See how many times you can identify it. Elfman said the most important thing a film composer can capture is the tone of the film and to never score for a younger or older audience. Don't worry about composing down, you just need to do it well. I love this philosophy because, for example, in writing educational programming, I always find kids are way smarter than we give them credit for, and adults are just growing up kids. And both want to be stretched and challenged, sometimes out of their comfort zones, and are all generally game to try something new. I say this a lot about films and their scores. Nightmare Before Christmas wouldn't exist without its music. But in this case, it's literally true. The film began with Danny Elfman's songs, 12 songs composed in about a month, and the script was built around the lyrics he created. At the time, the composer was ready for something new and tired of the same old thing as a rocker with Oingo Boingo. This is reflected in Jack's Lament. Jack Skellington is the Pumpkin King in the town of Halloween and is a superstar that the town sorely relies on to keep the wheels spinning. There are few who deny it, what I do, I am the best, for my talents are renowned far and wide. When it comes to surprises in the moonlit night, I excel without ever even trying. With the slightest little effort of my ghost-like charms, I have seen grown men give out a shriek. With the wave of my hand in a well-placed mode, I have swept the very bravest off their feet. Yet year after year, it's the same routine, and I grow so weary of the sound of screams. And I, Jack, the Pumpkin King, have grown so tired of the same old I love to investigate influences of composers across genres. In this case, Elfman freely shares who has inspired him. Similarly to John Williams and Jerry Goldsmith, the likes of Eric Wolfgang Korngold, Franz Waxman, and Max Steiner, but also Bernard Herrmann and Kurt Weill. Here's Weill's Surabaya Johnny from the 1929 musical Happy End. Und 
mein Schiff fliegt unten am Kai. Du hast kein Herz, Johnny. Du bist ein Schuft, Johnny. Du bist ein Schuft, Johnny. Sag mir wohl. Also an influence of Elfman's are the duo of dramatist William Schwank Gilbert and composer Arthur Sullivan, the late 19th century operetta creators. Here's from one of their hits, Pirates of Penzance. I am the very model of a modern major general. I'm information, vegetable, animal, or mineral. I know the kings of England and to quote the fights historical from Battleton to Waterloo in order categorical. I am very well acquainted to it, matters mathematical. I understand equations both are simple and good radical. About the normal theorem, I'm teeming with a lot of news. Oh, lot of news, lot of news, lot of news, lot of news. Ha ha ha! With many chipple facts about the square of the hypotenuse. With many chipple facts about the square of the hypotenuse. Many chipple facts about the square of the hypotenuse. Many Like most effective film scores, including Home Alone, having very short musical snippets, sometimes called motives or leitmotifs, which goes back to the gargantuan musical events and compositional practices of Richard Wagner, is key to bringing the drama together. Tim Burton and Danny Elfman's Batman is a good example of this, where the main theme recurs throughout and is transformed depending on the dramatic circumstances. back to Nightmare Before Christmas, the pickup is what starts the film in the overture, a short note followed by a long note. And this factors prominently in my favorite song, What's This?, where Jack discovers Christmas Town and envisions a different future for Halloween Town. What's this? What's this? There's color everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. Have I possibly gone daffy? What is this? What's this? After Santa is kidnapped, threatening the continuity of Christmas all over the world, he's saved by Sally, who, according to Santa, is the only one that makes any sense around this insane asylum. She gets her own Kurt Wileyan lament. Pay attention to the special harmony Danny Elfman uses on the word wind. That silky smooth slide up that temporarily transports you to some distant realm is called a Neapolitan sixth chord, which can also be heard in the introduction to Di Crea, or The Crow, from Franz Schubert's Winterreise, or Winter's Journey, composed in 1827, the year before Schubert's death, on the themes of lost love and quickly approaching death. The Crow follows the traveler, waiting to feast on his carcass, but he also asks if the Crow will stay with him until he dies unlike his beloved who left. 
The Neapolitan sixth chord takes us in and out of phase of our current existence, something that might be experienced close to death, and makes perfect sense in Schubert's circumstances, as well as Nightmare Before Christmas, when all of the inhabitants of Halloween Town are, in fact, dead. See if you can spot the Neapolitan sixth chords in this opening. I'll give you a hint. They're C major chords, strangely out of phase from the prevailing key of B minor. Did you catch it? Try it again. It happens twice. The Neapolitan sixth chord, in this case the C major chord, happens here, and here. Speaking of death, and I apologize that this holiday movie playlist went a little dark, but Danny Elfman introduces his version of the Dies Irae in Making Christmas, portending that Halloween Town trying to co-opt Christmas will lead to devastating consequences. This time, this time, making Christmas, making Christmas, making Christmas, making Christmas is so fine. It's ours this time, and won't the children be surprised? It's ours this time. Fortunately, we make it out alive this time, and Sally saves the day and Santa Claus makes his rounds at supersonic speed, saving Christmas, and Sally and Jack sing us off into the moonlight. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope your holidays are filled with love, joy, and a bit of entertainment from some of these great films and soundtracks. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on our troubles will be out of sight.
once again as in olden days happy golden days of yore loving friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more now on we all will be together if the fates allow but till then we'll have to muddle through somehow so have yourself a merry little christmas now Thank you to all the amazing performers and record labels who made this episode possible, including Danny Elfman, Disney, Judy Garland, UMG Recordings, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, Geffen Records, the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra, Silver Screen Records, Warner Brothers, Orchestra of the Marinsky Theater and Valery Gergiev, Universal Music, Atlanta Symphony and Lois Lane, Alessio Randon and Naxos, the Boston Symphony and Charles Munch, Valentina Lisitsa, Michael Francis, and the London Symphony, Ute Lemper, Jeff Cohen, and the RIAS Sinfonietta Berlin with John Macheri on DECA, Everest Records, Catherine O'Hara, Dietrich Fischer Diskau, Daniel Berenboim, and Mel Torme. You can always find more info at onesymphony.org, including a virtual tip jar if you'd like to lend your support to the podcast. Please feel free to rate, review, or share the show. Until next time, thank you for being a part of the music. No.